Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. What do some people do when tribulation comes? They quit. They quit. The cares of this world choke it out. And in the parable of the, the sower, as a word was sown down, for some it was the, the cares of this world. The word was sown, it started growing, but the thorns came and it just choked it out. Right, just didn't get going because they, they got all these other things happening and it choked it out. They they didn't hang in there when the going got tough, right? They fizzled out. It choked it out. So patient in tribulation, that we would be patient. We'd hang in there. God, I'm going to trust you through the difficult season. A weed starts small. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but as it grows, it gets more prickly and the roots get thicker and harder to pull out. When you allow worries of this world to grow in your mind and your heart, it's going to be harder to uproot them. Eventually, they can take over and choke out the good thoughts and actions that you're attempting to do. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill discusses several things God asks you to do or not to do so that you're able to fight against being choked out. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 12 for today's edition of a transforming word. Well, you guys remember in Romans 12, we did verses one through eight. And uh, we talked about in the first two verses, it talked about the renewing of our minds, um, that we're we're going to be having our minds renewed as people that have come to Christ, that we're not being conformed to this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, the second part of Romans 12, which we're going to cover today, uh, there's 30 commands 30 different, so for you guys that don't like rules, get ready. You know, it's 30, 30 rules that deal with how we treat one another. And so I don't know how you are. Maybe you're here and you got good people skills. Maybe you treat people good and you just say, I'm, you know, let me, let me, today you're going to be affirmed in the word that, you know, that's exactly what I do. But as we go through these 30 things, I, I'm asking everybody to kind of just be open. Lord, if I hear something that I'm not doing, if I hear something that I'm not supposed to be doing, we're going to learn about how to treat one another in the body of Christ and even those that have wronged us, those outside. And um, it's going to be important. And I, I look at this, I was reading over them and I'm like, man, this is a lot of rules. Like, bam, 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 30. I counted them. I went and re- I wrote, wrote them all out and counted. I'm like, 30 rules. Um, I'm not one that grew up liking rules, you know, but God's rules are a little different. You know, when God gives us rules and instructions, uh, God's parameters uh, create an environment, an atmosphere of blessing in the life of his kids. And if we all take heed to this, then the environment in our church will be one that's blessed. If everybody in this fellowship walks according to these things and treats one another according to this, this will continue to be a very sweet place uh, for people to come and just enjoy Jesus and enjoy one another. So um, I want to point this out, too, that most of these things go against our flesh or our natural inclination. So we all have a sinful nature. Um, I, I like the acronym for sin that goes selfish, inward nature. We all have one. And most of these things that God says, I want you to live like this. They go against that natural inclination, the sinful inclination. So look at with me. We're starting at verse nine. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. First thing he tells us is, hey, let love be without hypocrisy. Why does he got to tell us that? 
Because everybody here knows how to offer up hypocritical love. Everybody here knows how to act like you love the person that you really don't love. In your heart, you hate them, but you know it's not appropriate to behave like that at church. So you might say, oh, God bless you. You know, how you doing? I'm fine. Blessing. God bless you, too. You know, we know how to offer up a hypocritical love. And so what God is saying here is don't do that. Let love be without hypocrisy. Now, if we did that in our marriages, if we did that with our kids and if we did that in our in this church, God would be pleased. Let love be without hypocrisy. How do you do that? Um, that means that I got to choose to love instead of this is what this is the option. Right. I can choose to fake like I love you when I really don't. And think about why you would do that, because I want to still look like I'm doing the right thing, even though before God, I'm doing the wrong thing. God says, can we just be real? Don't be real and I'm going to be real then and be all yucky. God says, let, let, go ahead and die to yourself. Do what I did for you and forgive them so that your love can be without hypocrisy. So if there's anyone that you're struggling to love genuinely, um, it's as simple as repentance. This is the cool thing with every one of these commands. And I want, I guess I need to say this up front. God never commands you to do something that he doesn't empower you to be able to do. So everything you read here, you can do it. It's a choice. You can choose right now the person that you're not loving or that you're loving hypocritically. You can choose today to say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I, I have been fake about that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to love them in reality. I'm going to choose today to love them in reality. And as we go through, we're going to learn some things that you can actively do to show genuine love. So let love be without hypocrisy. That's the first one. Second one, it says abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Uh, we don't usually use the word abhor. It means to detest or um to have a whore towards something. So your natural inclination is, I don't think most of us hate what's evil. Um, my flesh likes evil things. Um, it's, it's, it just does. My flesh will see things that are, they're evil, but they're comical. And my flesh is, my flesh likes it. Doesn't abhor it, but it's evil. Um, it's evil. And God said, I want you to abhor what is evil. I want you to hate it. I want it to be detestable to you. Um, and I remember one day I, I, I messed up. I was looking at a video and um, it was humorous, but it was carnal. And I probably should not. No, not probably. I shouldn't have been watching. I should have. I should have said, oh, that's bad. I shouldn't watch it. But then the guy goes from in his carnal humor. He takes a jab at the church. And then I was offended. Then I'm like, then God said, that's, you should have, you should have been offended at first, you know? Um, and it, it was like, a, I got convicted. I got corrected. Like you, you should have turned it off at the get, but now he, now he's talking about church. Now you mad, you know? So my natural inclination doesn't hate what's evil, but God says choose to. When you know it's evil, hate it. How do I hate what's evil? I, I, I can, this is how I can become, a, get to a place where I hate what's evil, where I, I can see where it's going to end up. I can see where it's going. I, I can hate it because of what it's going to do, what it's going to do to me, what it's going to do to other people. The fruit of it's going to be horrible. So I need to if I if I like if you if you find that you like evil things, um, you pray, ask God to help you and, and make that something that you turn from. I'm going to I'm going to hate what's evil. Um, and then it's not enough to hate what's evil. God said, now I want you to cling to what is good. Some people get saved and right away they start putting away all the bad things and they hate what's evil. No more alcohol, no more drugs, no more fornication, no more stealing, no more this, no more that. And they, they put away all the bad stuff and they never make the progression to doing the right things. God says, this, I want both. I want you to hate what's evil and I want you to cling to what is good. 
And so know that it's not enough for us to come to a place where we just, okay, we don't like evil things anymore. Um, But God wants us to go from not liking evil to a place where now I'm clinging to the things that are good. And so have you made that transition in your walk with the Lord where you let go of bad things that you might do good things? I think some people miss that step. They get saved and they're like, "Okay, I know I'm not supposed to live like this anymore. Why, though? When I got saved, God took me away from alcohol, fornication, selling drugs, doing other things I shouldn't be doing. Why, though? Because he had something else he wanted me to fill my hand with, and I couldn't do both. Right? I couldn't be here fornicating, getting drunk, and selling drugs. I don't think so. I'm, in some churches, I could, but most of y'all would be gone, and you would have a right to. You know, um, I shouldn't be here doing that. So God's like, put those things down because I, I want to fill your hands with other things. And so it's we want to we want to make sure that we make the transition. God, I put away the evil things for your honor, for your glory and, and worship of you. But now show me the good things you want me to do. Uh, now that those things are out of my life, show me the things that I'm supposed to be doing for your namesake. And so moving on now, look at verse 10. Again, all these are dealing with how we deal with, with interact with one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. And so it says here, be kindly, affectionate to one another. And it gives us, there are several different types of love in the New Testament, but this is brotherly love. Guys, I want you guys to love each other with a brotherly love. And this is, this is how I think that fleshes out or works out. Every, how many of us have brothers and sisters, first of all? Raise your hands. You have brothers and sisters. All right. Um, how many of you guys have had fights with your brothers and sisters? Gotten into it. How many of you still love your brothers and sisters? Okay. So I grew up, I have a sister that we're a year apart. And we had we had wars. I mean, I can't tell you how many we had fist fights. I, she beat me up in front of my friends before. I mean, we we had wars and, and now we're old and we can laugh about it, talk about it. I, I, the worst one ever. My mom sent lunch money to school with us, went to the same elementary school, but she gave it to my sister instead of giving it to me. So there was a discrepancy about how much she was supposed to get how much I was supposed to get. And we're in the lunch line and I'm like, I'm trying to get my chili cheese Fritos and my drink and she holding out 50 cent. We had a full on fist fight at school and the, the, all, the, the aides come and get us and they're like, they're brother and sister. Like, what do we do? They like, just call my mom. Like, they're brother and sister out there squabbing at school. And so we would do that with one another but I'm telling you, this is, it's, it's, it's the craziest thing in the world. Anybody else wanted to fight me or my sister, we was like, no, never. Uh, that was from elementary. That was through high school. That was after high school at clubs as adults. It was like, I could fight you and you could fight, but can't nobody else fight you. You know, she 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 jumped in and helped me fight boys. Um, unfortunately, I stood by and made sure that she didn't get jumped by a girl. I'm not going to say I hit him. I'm not going to say I didn't hit him, <laughs> you know, but I was there. You know, this is the idea. When you loving each other with brotherly love, it's this, it's like, man, this is. Because we're in the family of God, because God is our dad, God says now choose to love each other with that kind of, you guys are going to offend each other, just like your family offends each other. You're going to do things at times that rub each other wrong, and you're like, I don't like that they did that to me yesterday. And Then you got to come back and say, but they family, so we got to let it go, uh, because we're still family. And so if you got people in the family of God that you're not loving like that, maybe you're offended by somebody at church or in the church, um, can you choose to love them with brother? Like, you know what, because you're family. I'm going to just let that go, you know, because we're going to heaven together because God is your dad and he's my dad. I'm going to let that go because it pleases our dad that I let that go. Can we love each other with brotherly love? That's what that's what he's saying here. Um, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Then it says in honor, giving preference to one another. So 
that means I'm, I'm to give preference to one another means that none of us are walking around like we're it. You know, I should be uh, honored above someone else. If, if Imagine everybody here. Everybody's ever seen somebody at a door and like you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go. And we're just you're arguing over who gets to go first. God said if, if everybody in the church just preferred one another, you know, you, you before me. You, you, you instead of me, you in front of me, you instead of me, that we just prefer one another, then there wouldn't be in the church, right? Among believers, there wouldn't be what you see in the world where people are fighting and rallying for who can be on top and who can be the best and who can have the most. It's like, hey, I, I prefer you above me anyway, so it's all good. And if we all did that to one another, it would just be a juicy, loving environment and, and Jesus would be pleased. So he, he says, in honor, giving preference to one another. Look at verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence. So in your service to God, right? In, in our work in the church and our work, because our work in the church is for the glory of God. But who benefits from it? Each other. So if you got gifts and service and ability and first your gifts and of service, they're for the glory of God. Always him first. But they're also for the benefit of one another. And so God says, then, then be diligent. Not lagging in diligence. Some people have gifts and ability, but they're lacking in diligence. They don't do it with diligence. And I, 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 I've been around church for a long time, so I'm going to just speak what I've seen. Right. I've seen people who with regard to their service to God, because it's volunteer, because it's something I just do on the side. I just I'm helping out. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I mean, it almost some people serve like like you're lucky I'm even doing this much. Uh, that, that, that's you, lucky I'm even here at all. So don't don't say nothing to me about being late. I'll be there when I be there. Um, that's how they serve God. Not fervent. Take that same person to the job that they get paid at Monday. They there five minutes early, making sure they didn't, not getting doc pay. Ten minutes late for a little bit of extra. But but then when it comes to serving God, it's, it's they're not fervent. They're not they're lagging in diligence. So don't let that be you. Right. When it comes to your service for God, I feel like my service to God should be even more diligent than what I might do for somebody. I would say this for you guys that work in the world. Your service at work is also your service to God. So I'm not saying you should slack off at work and be super faithful at church either. I believe that we're supposed to be faithful everywhere in all things, but not lagging in diligence. So whatever it is that you do for the Lord and for the glory of his church and for the benefit of the body, make sure that you're not lacking in diligence. Make sure that you don't do it kind of haphazard like I'm just kind of doing it like whatever. Man, do it with all your heart. Act like you're getting paid a million dollars to do it and look for it in heaven, not down here because you ain't going to get it. So not lagging in diligence, right? Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Um, the idea of fervent in spirit is almost idea of like something boiling over. Um, just someone that's fervent in spirit. It's not emotion, right? And the confines of the church, a lot of times people look at fervent and they look at it more of like exuberant or emotional where it's like, you know, if I do something and it's really like, woo, and I make a lot of noise and I, and I flap my arms or whatever, like that was really fervent. That's not necessarily the case. You can make a whole lot of noise and cluck like a chicken and run up and down the aisles and, and not be fervent in spirit, right? The idea is in regard to, and I'm fervent in spirit, God, the things that you call me to do, my heart is on fire. My heart is boiling over to do the things that please you, that bless you, that bring you glory. And it might be that it, it might manifest in your prayer life. It might manifest in how you come to the Lord's word and study. It might manifest in, in how you reach out to people that it says, I'm fervent in spirit. My spirit is just stirred up for the Lord. It might not manifest in just emotion. 
And I want to say that emotion is very weak because emotions are just an extension of your flesh. But God says, I want you to be fervent in spirit. Let it just, man, let it pour out. And so fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, right? What is all that fervency supposed to do? It's supposed to, it's supposed to, supposed to fuel my service to the Lord. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So we have three things in verse 12. First of all, rejoicing in hope, right? If you're a believer, right, you shouldn't be going around with lemon lips all the time. The worst witness in the world is when Christians are always, everybody at work know you're saved, know you go to church, and every time somebody talks to you, is, is you sound like Eeyore. Well, you know, I'm just getting by, you know, just had a rough weekend again and, you know, my kids ain't do right. And, uh, you know, I don't know, they didn't get the promotion, and but God is good. Um, that, please don't be that person. You know, like who would ever look at that and say, I'm going to come to church. I want, I want what you got. Nobody. nobody. It's people in the world that know better than that. They don't want that mess. So just consider how you make God look right. We're rejoicing in hope. Check this out. For the believer, what is our hope? What's our what's our ultimate hope as believers? Was that heaven? Right. When is that? Ever, does that ever change? Does that change on a bad day, on a rainy day, on a lost my job day, on a flat tide? Never changes. So for the believer, I always can be rejoicing in hope. I might not be rejoicing. I'm not saying be dumb. I'm not saying I got a flat tire. Yippee! You know, I'm not saying you rejoice in, in bad things. I'm just saying that whatever happens to us, whatever happens down here. We still can rejoice in hope, right? I, I'm going to heaven when it's all done. Though. I got a relationship with the Lord. God got me. So, yeah, that happened right now, but I'm rejoicing that I know God got me. I can't wait to see how he works this out. That should be the conversation. And I'm not saying fake that. I'm saying come to the point where that's what your belief is, because it's the truth. So rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, right? There's no guarantee. It's actually a guarantee that if we walk with the Lord real strong, real tough, we're going to endure tribulation. So God says, hey, be patient in tribulation. That means hang in there. When it gets difficult, right? Don't quit. What do some people do when tribulation comes? They quit. They quit. The cares of this world choke it out. And in the parable of the, the sower, as a word was sown down, for some it was the, the cares of this world. The word was sown. It started growing, but the thorns came and it just choked it out, right? Just didn't get going because they, they got all these other things happening and it choked it out. They, they didn't hang in there when the going got tough, right? They fizzled out. It choked it out. So, Patient in tribulation, that we would be patient. We'd hang in there. God, I'm going to trust you through the difficult season, right? Some people endure difficult seasons. I've watched believers go through bouts of cancer. I've watched believers watch their spouses go through, you know, different ailments and whatnot where they've had to just be patient in the midst of difficulty. But they hung in there with the Lord. They didn't quit. They didn't fall back. They didn't, they didn't go back to the old life, you know? Those are the alternatives. For some people, and this is where, you know, it's it's... I, I, it's a real disappointment, but for some people, when things don't go their way, it's almost like, well, I'm, I'm going to show God that I'm going to show God my displeasure by walking away from him now. God, I can't believe you let that happen. I was serving you. I was faithful to you. And you let that happen. People do this. And then they, they, they walk away from God like that's going to make it better. Now it's going to be worse. Now, now you're in a difficult situation and Satan tricked you into walking away from the only help available. He went, he won twice. So in the midst of tribulation, you want to just stay close. God, I'm going to, I'm going to endure with you. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I know that all things are working together for the good. I got to trust in that, um, that we be patient in tribulation. And then in, um, the last one in, in verse 12, um, continuing steadfastly in prayer. 
um, that, that we're to be continuing steadfastly in prayer. How is your prayer life? What does it look like? Last 24 hours, what is it? What does your communication to God look like? We're not Old Testament saints. They had to, you know, go through other people to try to get a word from God. We don't have to go to the priest or go to the, the prophet or go to whoever. You guys got direct connect. You guys can go straight to the Lord whenever you want. Everybody here can pray as much as they want. You can pour out your heart to God as much as you want. Ask him questions as much as you want. So what is your prayer life? What does it look like? That being the case, the fact that there's no hindrance on how often, how frequent, how how much, how long, how much time you spend there. There's no rule on it. Here we're told to continue steadfastly in prayer. What's your prayer life? Does it look like this? Are you continuing steadfastly in prayer? Is it just uh, for some people, prayer is like a 911 call. Um, you know, just when it gets really, really tough. Let me where's that 911 button at. You know, I got to call them. Um, for some people, prayer is, is, you know, it's just, you know, something that, you know, God, thank you for my food. Appreciate it. You know, but it's, it's not that they're not taking full advantage of the access and the opportunity. Um, if I can encourage us as a church, um, as individual members of the church, that there's so much power in prayer. Uh, and it's one of the things that people don't tap into it. You know why it requires faith. It requires faith to be in your room by yourself and start talking to God that you can't see. Requires faith that he's there, that he's listening, that he'll respond. It requires faith. You know what you naturally do? Call your girlfriend. Call your buddies up. Run, let me run this by you, man. I had this situation happening. What you think? And you're talking to somebody that don't know no better than you do. You're talking to somebody that they, they, might, they, they might guide you wrong. You know, if I was you, my man, you know what I would do? I would just sock them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> then you'd be in jail making your 911 prayer, you know? Um, that's our natural inclination, though. Like, I'm, I'm going to talk to somebody so I can get feedback right now. I try to remove myself sometimes from people because as a pastor, sometimes people think I'm going to call the pastor. I'm going to ask him. I'm not God. I want you to pray. I don't know what you're supposed to do in every situation. Some things are in, they're written in black and white, but I'm like, you need to pray. I don't want to become that. I don't want you to. I don't want anybody to be misunderstand my position. I'm not that. Um, I preach the word, I counsel, I love, I minister, I might guide you through the word, but pray on your own. You don't need me. You can cry out to God who knows everything. Why you want to call me who don't know that much? I know a little, little bit. You know, God knows everything. Like, that's where you want to be calling. And so, um, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Um, and so, if you, if you find I'm weak there, would you be challenged, encouraged today? Let me, let me, let me, let me reevaluate that aspect of my life where I'm bringing everything for the Lord, uh, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. And so here, again, dealing with, you know, as we deal with one another within the body, it says distributing to the needs of the saints. Um, in the world, you know, people don't necessarily look out for one another in that kind of way. God says in the church, though, we should be taking care of one another, right? There shouldn't be anybody show up here Sunday hungry and leave hungry. And we know about it. Somebody show up here. And I, I will say this about our body. I've watched many, many needs be met. I watch people here find out something and they're like, hey, get with me. I, I got something for you. Um, for some people, that means linking people up with job opportunities, you know, linking people up with just taking advantage of, look, I'm part of the body here. You're part of the body. And when I hear that there's a need that you have that I can meet, um, I'm glad to participate in helping you meet that need. 
Um, again, we live in a really dark world and we all know there are people that kind of take advantage and people that kind of will and deal and stuff like that. And, and I think that if we're walking with the Lord, we'll know the difference. Uh, we'll know the person that's just kind of playing games. Um, I've, I've known people that go from church to church to church to church and they come and they, they're just there to see how long they can squeeze the rag out before they go to the next church and do it all over again. Um, I, I believe through discernment that we'll identify that and not be caught up in that, but that we wouldn't have cold hearts to where when legitimate things are around us, we're not open, we're closed-fisted. You know, I'm not, no, just got enough for me and mine. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on the rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.